0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for
1: select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to make car care make sense with personalized service reviews that swap the car talk for straight talk so you know what your car is telling you and what to do about it. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care? That's a job for Jiffy.
1: Welcome to the Blue Room. It is Friday. We haven't really got a name for this show. Uh, don't simply record on a Friday, but Everton played on a Thursday. Don't simply do that either. But they went to Stamford Bridge and they got an unexpected point uh, down against the European champions uh, with a lot of young players in the team, a lot of misfits in the team. So we thought it would be a good time to convene. Uh, I am joined by the wonderful Rob Vera, as ever. Another wonderful guest as well, a uh, first time on the Blue Room, Andrew Gower. Big toffee, I'm sure you'll all know him from things like Black Mirror, things like Poldark and many, many more things as well. Uh, Andrew, first and foremost, how are you doing, mate? Thanks for coming on. Very,
2: very good. Lovely to be on the Blue Room, a regular listener um, and especially this season, a regular bemoaner of the Blue. (laughs) So uh, it's really nice to be on and chatting to you both after a surprise result yesterday.
1: Yeah, and I suppose you've looked out in a way, mate. Because me and you've been messaging on Twitter for a while about getting this set up, and we've been getting battered. We've been losing games, and when we finally managed to, you know, we penciled this in for Friday, and I think we thought, oh no, it's going to be another shocking defeat. But you know, it was a bit better last night.
2: What's the best day? What's the best day to talk about Everton? And we couldn't come up with one, but uh, yeah, we've fallen, we've fallen on a good day and a nice, nice that that'll be our last game before mm. uh, before Christmas now as well. It's kind of Ease us into the into the new year and the Boxing Day fixture.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We'll of course get into that game in, in a bit more detail later on. But let, let's have a chat about yourself first, Andrew. You know, we sort of, like I said, you know, you, you've been all over the place now. I'm sure people will know you from, from everywhere. I mean, first and foremost, when you when you're speaking to people in the industry you're in around the world and the, and the asking about Everton. How, how do you, how do you explain what the topies are to them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's
2: a nice it's it's a nice thing I've had very Especially for the Americans, when I'm working over there, I always have the Tim Howard reference, which is a nice, a nice mm-hmm. kind of. Do you remember the goalkeeper? You know.
1: Well, that's what we used to always say to Rob when he first came on the show. You know, you, you mustn't like Tim Howard, surely. Oh God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, how do I explain Everton? I mean, first, the funny thing with Everton is like you get a lot of people who ask where Everton is. That's the big, you know, mm. to a lot of people. Where is Everton? That's the thing I often explain to people who don't know much about Everton. And then the other big question is, why Everton? Uh, why Everton? <laughs> I get that a lot, especially after, you know, 27 years. Um, so, yeah, it's answering answering them both uh, is quite interesting within the in- industry. But then you meet a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of the chat that happens, especially in film and TV, you kind of have that go-to chat of football anyway, you know, with a, quite a lot of people. Um, you know, especially the crew and stuff. And you do get the odd tap on the back of, like, it will all be okay kind of feel on the back of your shoulder without Everton. And a lot of people have respect for Evertonians because, you know, we spend a lot of time watching other teams that aren't our own team as well because, you know, to get away sometimes from the football we're playing. So I think a lot of Evertonians, the, the common consensus amongst, you know, Football fans, I get especially being in London now. Is you know they have respect for the fans and respect for the football team and the history and the, and the um, you know being the last of the Mohicans or the you know the originals as we call ourselves as well. So I think there's, there is a lot of respect and you get that nice nice chat a lot of the time about certain Everton players who they remember from the 80s or then, you know even the Dogs of War in the 90s. Uh, many a Fun chat with crew and cast on sets, but often the question is why, and and to people who don't know about football is who who, and then you you explain the geography of Liverpool and stuff. So yeah,
1: no, it's it's fascinating, and I think one of the things that I always find interesting when I speak to, to people like yourself, I and mean, we've had people like Chris Mason on yeah. on the podcast as well. You know, obviously works in, in similar circles to yourself, and who've got major passions that are sort of intertwined in regards to the arts and in regards to football as well. And for yourself, who's obviously such a passionate blue and when you were trying to get into acting, trying to get to film and TV, was there a point where you had to sort of make decisions and sacrifice in regards to Everton and not being able to watch Everton and not being able to go to a game? And you know, how, how difficult was that, sort of coming away from, from that side of, of your life and going into a different one? Um, I always I
2: say when when people ask that sort of a you know cliche question of why did you choose acting I always say because I you know I realised I was a delusional footballer so uh, <laughs> and, and acting was the next thing that that, uh, that kind of piqued my interest in this and I always I'm constantly with a lot of people football especially a lot of actors who like football like Stephen Walters and uh, a pal of mine, Luke Roscoe, who's a big blue. Mm. We always kind of compare actors and directors and, and whatnot to football. We, I find a lot of analogies between footballers and actors and footballers and managers and directors. And it's you know it's like a go-to kind of lingo. I'll say, oh, what do you think of this actor? And we'll sort we'll of label him as a tony Hibbett or something you know?
1: <laughs> but, uh, which, which actor have you called yeah, tony
2: say, hibbert um no but we have um yeah i what was my point my point is is that that kind of buzz i get from from acting and especially stage uh, and, and being in front of the camera and having to get it right in that moment i found very similar um traits and feeling from, from what I used to get on the football pitch and I mean that by no means was I a, a very good player you know. But, um, but yeah and then going to drama school I went to the Oxford School of Drama so at the Oxford School of Drama it's in the middle of it sounds like it's in the beautiful city of Oxford but it's not, it's in the middle of the countryside attached to this amazing principal's house who invented a drama school in the 80s and literally the only person I saw for three years was the polish sandwich man who used to come in and pop sandwiches at at school and like you know i was in a band at the time and i had to give up my music and everything was just pure you were black you're you're in drama school on the bus in the morning at like 7:30 and then you don't leave until 7 at night and all my mates were at uni and a lot of old season ticket holders and you know my mum's husband and my brother mm-hmm. and all Lads, I used to watch Everton with, they were still going the game, and you know, I could barely afford a sandwich from the sandwich man, so I was just purely in Oxford. Um, and I was it was lucky I, I managed to get back home and watch the Blues again at Christmas times and you know, for, for fixtures, but yeah, there was a big period in my life where it was like just sneak a game in every now and then. Uh, and it's lucky now that you know, being in London, I get to go to a lot of the away games. Mm. Yeah, for a for a big period, it was it was uh, yeah, it was just watch the blues on TV.
1: Oh, wonderful stuff! And before we go on to speaking about the game, um, again we were speaking before, and you're working on some new things at the moment. You're involved in stuff, and you're creating your own stuff as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been um, I've been on Carnival Row now for four years. I was on this show, and um, twelve episodes. We finished in October. And twelve episodes come out next year. I think it's April time. It hasn't been confirmed, and that'll be the last season. So, off the back of spending a lot of time in Prague filming and having a lot of downtime, which you do on films and stuff, I made. be out. nice, that
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: plenty, plenty to do. Plenty. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a lot of a uh, lot of time to kind of come up with some of my own stuff, and as. As I mentioned, Stephen before, Stephen Walters, we made a short film about a year and a half ago, which uh, is called Humpty Fucking Dumpty. Um, and <laughs> we're, lucky working with, uh, we're lucky to be working with a producer who I worked with before called Mike Knowles. And we're in um, yeah development now to, to make that next year, which is really exciting because it's a story of, of, which is really close to me about a singer who toured the world with the Beatles called Tommy Quickly. And it's about his life uh, and kind of like he had five big singles in his life and then just completely disappeared from mm. uh, from the world of music. And we were lucky enough to find him and were lucky enough to be able to tell his story. And it's a really like, it's kind of like the, the untold story of the Mersey Beat. Well, at the same time, the downfall of like, you know, how the kiss of death of music, basically. You're, you're best mates with John Lennon. You're, you're, you're meeting Buddy Holly and Elvis, and then you just disappear, and how that can happen to anybody. And We've all read stories about, like, uh, famous actors who were up for awards, and then the next minute they're working in B&M. I think there was even an article out about two months ago about this hot prospect back in the day. And I'm more fast being in the arts, I'm more fascinated by those stories than I am by, like, yeah, we all know the Beatles turned out and they, they were a success and I find that hard to make into drama whereas the real drama I find about the people who are like the Neely, the couldas, the, the coulda, woulda, um, and that's, yeah, so that's the project we're working on Humpty, Humpty, Humpty.
1: Yeah, it sounds very much the, like Everton does it in a way the, the Neely ones, the ones that <laughs> come up short, yeah.
2: I don't, I don't know why I'm, uh, obviously Everton, <laughs>
1: kind of <laughs> it sounds Andrew, right up your street that Rob to be fair yeah
0: well I'm I'm a giant music nerd so uh, Andrew I was going to ask is uh, are you playing are you playing the uh, the the titular role in this or are yeah, you uh, yeah. what
2: are you okay yeah as Tommy yeah uh, so Tommy quickly his name is and um, it's a- I mean a, a few people who helped us produce the film know this but I'm related to Tommy and it wasn't until my nan mm. passed away I thought it was a joke. She was you know, in the hospital my last time I saw her. And she said, you need to check out Tommy quickly. You're related to him. Didn't believe it. And then found out I am related to him. So then I've always, myself and Stephen Walters, the director, have always talked about Tommy and what happened to him. Mm. Uh, so then it basically it was like, we need, to, we need to make something about him. Um, and I was lucky enough to speak to a lot of family members and a lot of his and find out more about him. Uh, but yeah, the music is, the music's like the the, the other thing. Like, cause some of his earlier music, he was a rhythm and blues singer. Um, and then Brian Epstein, his manager, who spent a lot of money on him, changed him into something that he really shouldn't have been. His last single is called Humpty Dumpty, the nursery rhyme. And that's how bad it got. That's how, like, bad they gave him Humpty Dumpty to sing Uh so yeah, hence the title, Humpty fucking Dumpty.
0: Wow. No, I I'm I am uh, I really like your perspective on the idea of telling stories that are not not as obvious. Not that I don't love the idea of a nine hour Beatles documentary, because <laughs> you know we don't know anything about the Beatles. But um, any story, I, I think it's it's in, it's it's fascinating how we are endlessly fascinated with careers, but I, I find this to be really true in music, whether it's because of an early death or because something traumatic happened or unexpected happened to end a career, you know, that, that those, I think that term flash in the pan sometimes comes, it's a little derogatory, but I think sometimes we just sort of take for granted, we use terms like one hit wonder, you know, about a, about a musician when really there's so much more behind the story, especially given how difficult it probably was to get to that point and to reach that dream and to suddenly have it gone i think that sounds like a really fascinating story
2: yeah it's interesting and it, again not to draw it to football but it's the same as you know the football as you can list in in, in in our time you know in my time watching football from other clubs and even everton who under different managers without that injury without you know whatever like there could have been something could have been something special um and that's, you know, that's the Tommy. There are so many Tommies in, in music now, especially with the X Factor and Instant Success. You know, it's like those stories fascinate me because he was a very, very talented young guy and he had everything and it just didn't happen. And how it didn't happen is the interesting um,
1: like story to tell. Oh, sounds marvelous when's that when's that going to be out mate uh
2: hopefully uh so we're in development now so we're looking to shoot it uh early next year um mm. obviously you know with what's going on with omicron right now we're, it's changed a few things so um but yeah that's the plan
1: yeah well obviously we'll keep people up to date on that here on the bloom as well sounds like a a fascinating project indeed um let, let's have a chat about the the match last night then um hopefully a few of the the lads the young lads that got the opportunities in the Everton team are going to fall by the wayside or, or be a flash in the pan um but Rob I'll come to you first obviously you know you did the Twitter spaces last night and I heard the opinions of a, a lot of different people on there and mm. listen I think it's it's still very much the case isn't it that people are sort of unsure about the football club unsure about the manager. Um, but there was a lot to be happy and a lot to be positive about last night in the way in which a lot of young players who were thrown in or thrown under the bus, whatever you, you want to look at it by the manager, uh, yeah. kept kept their head above water, didn't they, in the way in which they played last night at Stamford Bridge?
0: Certainly. Um, I think that one of the more interesting aspects of all of this is that, um, like, I'm a big fan of the, the sport Rorschach test, you know, and, and I... I've, I I think last night is a perfect example because uh depending on your opinions of the manager, you can look at last night as this uh you know semi miraculous inspired effort uh led by a manager under great uh strain and distress over the last couple of months, who has you know found a way to to you know eke out a performance that no one saw coming. Uh, on the other hand, you could also look at it as he clearly thought this was gonna be a loss anyway. And he might as well just throw the young players out there to to kind of uh you know provide a very basic underlying excuse for when they did lose uh and then you know i mean that's that's the problem is that i i think that we over the last several years in in, in analyzing this football club have been forced into a position where we're constantly um, we're, we're constantly trying to surmise what the intent was or uh, not really trusting and in, in necessarily the, the best intentions from, from those in charge. But what I will say though, is that while, and I know you acknowledged this last night, Matt, the, there's, there's all of that. Many things can be true at once talk that can go into to discussing a game like last night, but if you just look at the game itself. I I keep coming back to the idea that no matter what you think of the larger scale problems at the club and, and the manager and the performance and, and look, the, the, the points return over the last couple of months is still shockingly low. Um, what you can say though, is that last night was a testament to a group of players who against, Huge odds. And I know Chelsea had a few players missing, but nothing like the uh, nothing like the the medical tent issue that we had going. Um, 12
1: first team players we had all believe it was, yeah, yeah.
0: Just and throw Damari Gray as a as a mystery, you know, <laughs> absence on there too. I, I still haven't don't think I've heard exactly what was going on with him last night. Bottom line, you had a bunch of players who don't normally play, mixed with some players who do. Uh, who have been kind of up and down all season. And and I said it last night, it felt like after they got through the first five minutes or so, and the worst hadn't happened, it seemed like with every minute they just kept saying, all right, well, let's just kind of keep going and keep, see how this goes. And, I, I thought it was one of those uh, performances that we used to kind of talk about and take for granted back in probably the early 2010s and late late 2000s that the greater than the sum of its parts Everton performance where it's just a bunch of guys sticking together, getting a result uh, that they probably on paper shouldn't. Um, and, and I think last night was a testament to a group that showed a lot of resolve. Now, obviously, what I want to see, and I feel like how many times we've we said this over the last several years, I'd like to see them continue to play with this kind of togetherness, toughness and spirit. Um, but what I think we what I think was particularly exciting versus the, the other times when we analyze games in such a way, is that young players really jumped to the forefront last night. I, I, I just, it's amazing how one thing happens and the domino effect it creates. If Luca Dean is, available, then maybe, you know, you can go to Yerry Mina doesn't start to get thrown in to start and get injured. Um, Then if he comes, if Dean comes back, then maybe Brantway doesn't get his start last night. It's amazing how certain dominoes can fall and, and you can see players really step up. But I, I thought last night was a testament and really a repudiation to this tired old notion that young players can't be given premier league minutes or else it's going to ruin their careers. And, and, and you have to, ease them in a minute or two minutes at a time. I think that there is some truth that, while you don't want to overexpose young players, that maybe in the middle is where the wisdom and the truth is. And last night, you, you saw players who got an opportunity that was unexpected for them, and they ran with it. Um, and, and I think that what is important moving on from here is not that we say, oh, well, against Burnley, we're going to go with an unchanged <laughs> <group, I> 11. Mean, <laughs> I don't think it's that. But I do think that Anthony Gordon has slowly and steadily made a case for why he should be a regular part of this. Not only, you know whether it's the starting eleven or the rotation or whatever you want to call it. I think he is starting to show his quality. But hey, Jared Brantway to me, I, I, I remembered last night why I was so excited about him during Project Restart. He seems to combine the things that we want in a center half the the, the size and physicality of the you know the the, the Michael Keane Yeri Mina types with with more of the pace and you know, a, a comfort, comfortability, if you will, on the ball uh, and the willingness to not, as you said, uh, kind of freak out when he's got the ball, to, you know, in the back line. I, I think that those are developments that are exciting. And in a season where I have not changed my fundamental outlook, which this is a season about survival and tra- and I hate to say transition, but a survival mm-hmm. to get to where we can be in a better financial place, developing and and nurturing these young talents further forward is so critical uh based on where we're at and it's got to be a platform for moving forward into next season as well
1: no i think i think that's absolutely right and on bramthwaite andre i saw you nodding there when rob was was talking about him and it, i think he has sort of become a bit of a forgotten man hasn't he because there was, there was so much buzz around him when he came into the team initially he's a 17 year old he's he's had an injury he's gone out on loan We you know we signed ben godfrey in that time frame as well and he's just sort of faded away into the background a little bit, hasn't he? And maybe just a little reminder last night of, of the quality and the composure that this lad's go.
2: Yeah, I remember I remember when we signed him and it you know, it was exciting, there was an excitement with a few other clubs after him. But this unfortunately has been the case with a lot of our youth players who we've signed or have come through have sort of become peripheral figures of Everton's football team and sending players on loan with no kind of plan and, you know, renewing their contracts with no plan. That's, that's become a kind of given with Everton. And that is, you know, I agree with Rob, that's what happens when you replace, look how many managers we have. You know, my biggest thing this summer, as soon as, as soon as I, we were dumped by, um, by Carlo Ancelotti. As soon as Everton were dumped in the summer, by myself and my brother's hearts just sank. It was just mm-hmm. like because it's another year of integrating somebody else's plan. It's another summer of players picking up tactics. A, a team full of, you know, youth players who one manager's going to like and other managers not. Look at Anthony Gordon as well, another player who was shipped off to Preston North End and was a shell of a player and then comes back and he's in this plan so yeah Branthwaite and unfortunately the continuity of our youth teams have fallen under a lot of managers who don't support youth and then also like have just fallen to the system of employing however many managers we've had these past few years Um, hopefully this is the thing now with Benitez at the helm regardless of whether Everton fans want him or not my thing is, let's just try and keep this continuity. Just, I I, I I, mean, you know, people want him out. I didn't want him in. My brother didn't want him in, but he's in. And I feel like for the sake of some of these players and for the sake of a, a, a bit of a foundation to build from, this season especially, it's like, well, you know, let's let's keep a bit of continuity for the sake of some of these players, I think. That's,
1: that's, my, that's my view No I think, I think that's fair enough and I, I, I'll come back to you first on this one Andrew before throwing it to, to Rob and do you think at least what last night has done is you know Benitez has maybe been very hesitant hasn't he to, to use Sims off the bench to, to use Dobbin apart from early in the campaign obviously Bramford's first start um, John Joe Kearney played I um, and not played a minute all season as well. Do you think at least those lads have have shown that they can be trusted in various situations? You know, with Seamus Coleman, unfortunately, as he has been doing, effectively kicking the ball in the back of our own net over the last few weeks. You know, John Joe Kenny can maybe come in for a game over Christmas when the fixtures are really congested. You know, it, it feels like Benitez is a manager that he really values players that he can trust. And maybe he's looked at a lot of these lads and not seen them play much and thought, I'm not entirely sure I can trust you. I think a few of them shared last night that they definitely can be relied upon a bit more. Yep, uh, I mean Ancelotti did exactly the same, didn't mm. he? You know, mm. Ancelotti
2: didn't use didn't use a lot of kids. He he he, he stuck with players. I mean, he's stuck with players. I I think last night you need those games sometimes, backs against the wall, and then you prove a point. I mean, whether as we say he wanted to do it or not, I. Who knows, but he's done it. And a lot of them, especially Branthwaite, Gordon now, I mean, more than ever, have shown they're capable to deliver and shown, you know, Sims, I think, held the ball up more times in one game than I've seen (laughs) in in about nine or ten. And, you know, that was against three world-class centre-halves. Well, two. Um, uh, Which which one aren't you having as a world-class centre-back, there? the letter I think <laughs> um, but I think uh, yeah I think one of the one of the things is hard with bringing youth players in and because me and my brother talk about it all the time I like you know give him a go and it's it's, it's I, I feel like we as a football team don't really have and haven't had for a while especially this season you're getting to whats our sort of What's the our system to play in? And bringing young players into a team that you don't know the system is, is incredibly difficult. And also, just to throw it out there, I do think when it comes to technical football ability, I feel like our team has, bar a couple of players, technically, like I'm talking, beating a man, passing the ball, keeping hold of the ball, we are one of technically the worst teams in the league. That That's not... Denying like our system and with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and getting crosses into the box, that's different. That's, that's a different way of playing. But like ball retention and having a system and beating a man, it, I feel like for these kids to come in, it's, you know, it's hard to come into a team that doesn't keep hold of the ball.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, no, that's fair. You, know, you want something else from a youth player when you don't keep the ball. Which what Anthony Gordon's showing now? You want that work rate. You want strength. You need, you need something different. To, it's very easy. We were taught. I heard you guys talking last night about city players coming in. Very easy to come into a city team. Where exactly. You can't Imagine, you know, Anthony Gordon in that would be luxurious. You know, he's like, he'd be able to do the step over and have a man to pass through. Everton right now, unfortunately, technically we're not there and and for young players to come into this team uh the brandwaite i think is 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 something different from that but um yeah for the others i think and i i want to see us improve and i'd prefer to see more players come in in a more settled team uh but i last night i think hopefully we'll set a precedent of maybe making the squad wider and having more resources and uh, you know, showing Benitez that he can trust a few players.
1: Sorry, Rob. I, I, just, um, just, just moving it on a, a little bit as well from from the young players. But you know, we didn't really mention last night. or I didn't hear you mention last night on the spacers or anyone who came on. they got the man of the match in, in Jordan Pickford. Oh. Um, obviously, making I think Matchy. said it's the most Matchy. him, obviously from Sky said on Twitter today it's the most saves. Uh, Well, most he's earned Everton in terms of XG in his his career, most saves Everton goalkeepers made in the last 10 years. And I was was sort of thinking about that before, Rob, and I think the reason why we probably didn't have loads of people desperate to come on and talk about Jordan Pickford last night, in addition to the fact that, you know, some young players came in and did well, is that this is sort of just what it is with him now, isn't it? And I, I, I always remember around this time last year when he was playing relatively well you know we had that wobble I mean he came back into the team in fact it, it was probably around January when he, he wasn't particularly on it and he started to turn things around gradually and I, I always remember Mike coming on these shows and saying I'm not going to talk about Jordan Pickford doing well because you know we need to we need to give it a year before this mm-hmm. lad. you know is, is you know, we can fully say he's turned the corner because it always feels like there's, there's a ricket around around the corner mm-hmm. but we're not far off that now, are we? You know, probably since February last year, you could say when he came into that the team for the Merseyside derby and we won on an Anfield and maybe he exercised a few things that day. He's really not looked back, has he? And this is just sort of where Jordan Pickford is at now. He's just a, a very good goalkeeper. He's very assured of himself. And finally, finally, it seems like he's matured as well.
0: The, I think there's really no denying it, and I say that certainly as one of the, the longer-term Jordan Pickford skeptics out there. Um, he and, and in fact, when we started the Spaces chat last night, he was actually the first name I mentioned just because... Oh, I'm sorry. i will oh. still
1: recorded. <laughs> no, 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 no,
0: no, no. That's fine. I, I only bring that up just to, to say that as we kicked off the conversation, it was so much about the fact that we're really having a conversation about an eventful and potentially significant second half because the first half we weren't down Three or four nil, which we probably rightly could have been if you look at some of the chance that that Mason Mount chance where I think he put together a few passes and then somehow slithered through the box and got got onto it. And th- that save from Pickford was incredible. And there were several of them. Pickford is the reason that we're even having this conversation today. So I I, I don't want to minimize that, but to your larger point, um, I I can, I am sure that over the last year or so, um, he's had a moment here or there, or I can say um, that that was a shot that I think he probably could have done a little better on, but that's the conversation you're going to have about any keeper. Um, the difference now is that the frequency with which we are talking about things like psychological and mental uh, breakdowns uh, that seem to be influenced by his temperament on the pitch or getting dragged into kind of petty uh, back and forth with with the uh, with the crowd I mean that kind of stuff has has gone. I don't know if it has to do with the specific hair gel and length of hair combo that he's got going now. He looks like a late 80s Wall Street uh, you know corporate raider type with that hair now but I will tell you that for whatever reason he seems to have just, chilled. And maybe that's an an overly overly broad word to use. But even last night, I was taken with how in the midst of the onslaught, I don't know if any of you guys noticed this watching it on television, but he had a smile on his face as opposed at, at a lot of these times during the bombardment and seemed to be the one kind of saying, guys, it's all right. Whereas and don't be wrong, he still does this too. Like every keeper does. Yes. They yell at their defense. Yes. They, they get a little bit uh, surly, but I think given the youth out there last night, especially, especially having John Joe Kenny back there and Jared Branthwaite back there. Um, I think that he clearly took on a different tone. And look, I, I think the set the, if I, if there's only, if there's a negative to any of this um, it's that all of this feels very set up for him to move on this summer, which, I, you know, they're, they're, they're heavy rumors about, you know, linking him, you know, to, to Spurs and others. But w- what I would say is that either way, this is a good development because Jordan Pickford playing at his best is going to help us this season. It is going to potentially secure a large fee if, if, and when he does go. Um, And and I think that that's the best case scenario for, for everyone involved, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the level with which he seems to have stepped up in, in terms of uh, ironing out some of the wrinkles in his uh, his performance as a whole while still keeping some of that shot stopping that we all have have loved about him. Um, I think that that's really been the key to, to helping him step up a level.
1: And I think as well, Andrew, you know, obviously in the summer, he was riding high, wasn't he, after what happened with England. And I, I did have a few little concerns going into this season, because I remembered the, the World Cup in 2018 when he, when he came back, didn't he? And yeah, like you like you said there, his form sort of went off, off a cliff a little bit. But that probably is again, is, is another nod to his maturity, isn't it? And the way in which he's he's dealing with all this a lot better.
2: You look at um you only have to look at people who have come back from the England squad like Keynes. I mean, I mean he wanted to move away, but Maguire, um, some you know, there's that cliche thing when you have a great tournament for England, you come back and you're still you're still away on your summer holiday aren't you and I think I think it's nice to see I mean as we say all the time with Pickford touchwood whatever touch touchwood uh he's he's learned from his mistakes um and that's you know that's again like a conversation I have with a lot of football fans is like you've got to allow players to learn from mistakes you don't make mistakes and it's nice to see you know hopefully Pickford is learning from his time after the the world cup and now he's just come back from the euros with the with the golden glove or whatever and he's um yeah he's come and playing for everton with a maturity as you say and um taking that form into the season
1: no absolutely made up with, with the way in which he's he's playing um and just one, one other player i think we should definitely mention before before we wrap it up lads um anthony gordon andrew you know just you know, Les. I I love listening. I think you heard Les on the space last night, coming out of Stamford Bridge, and just talking about he had about a thousand words to say on Anthony Gordon's face full time because you know it was just 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 the picture. But, but the lad just looks like a Premier League footballer now, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, I, I you know that physicality is who we were talking about before to be in the Everton to to like to play well as a youngster in an ever in this Everton team right now. It's kind of like, I remember when Davis came through and we had it. We had a good team under on the Cooman, on the and he slotted in. And he, you know, for Gordon to do what he's doing now in this Everton team, you know, hats off to him with what everything he's put up for. I had my morning coffee today, and I I was uh, his interview came up on the Everton interview, and how um, you know he feels. I don't know what he can't quote him. He said he feels like a, a superstar or something. He said you know I've always dreamed, and it continued from. Uh, what you were saying last night about his face lighting up his face was just so happy and he had a husky voice you know he'd been shouting you could hear and yeah it's just great I made up for him and I think um, you know he's definitely a shining light of, of hopefully this season in in a in a dark season he could be you know somebody we can look forward to seeing grow next year But
1: well, what did you make of him last night Rob? I mean it's oh. it, 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 it's different to I think what we all expected from him when he first came through, you know, we we all sort of thought it was going to be flashy goals, assists, you know, doing that sort of thing. But it was the hard yards, wasn't it? And carrying the ball and winning fouls and and, and the niggly little things that that he did so well at Stamford Bridge.
0: Yeah, well, but I think it's important to note that that initial impression of him in terms of his skill set um, isn't necessarily an incorrect one. It's just that, and we talked about this before, and, and this is true of, of any profession. Uh, you know, I imagine, I imagine uh, the craft of acting would be largely the same way, that progress is not always this straight line. It's not linear. It takes setbacks and it takes constructive feedback. It takes struggle to sometimes sharpen you in the way that you ultimately must be to be at your best. And I think with Gordon, I don't think, I think that his final, the final end state of him in terms of like what his ceiling is and how you define it, I still think that has yet to be determined. And I think that's a good thing. I think what, what, what Gordon is doing right now, um, to, you know, to the point uh, that Andrew made before is he is getting training that will be invaluable to him in theory down the road uh, from the standpoint of, What is it like when things are not ideal? Um, you know, how how do you apply what you have and, and and do so in a way that that is is meaningfully significant to contributing to a, a side that can get a result uh, in games where everything is not going right? You don't have all your you know your best options there. I think with Gordon, one of the things that has helped him and, and again, this is one of my biggest arguments for giving young players Premier League minutes when you can, um, even if, as and Andrew noted this really well before, it's not always ideal. Um, I do think that you've got to find a middle ground there where you where these players get used to the speed and the physicality and the and frankly, just the overall uh you know whirlwind ride that is a nine, you know, 90 minutes of the Premier League. You can watch it, you can be in training, uh, you can uh you know you can consume video all you want, but there's no substitute for being out there. And what you're seeing with Anthony Gordon right now is so some- Someone who has taken knocks, he's been knocked down a bunch of times, he has had to, you know, adapt to the physical part of the game. And now as he's getting through that, you're beginning to see those skills that we saw, you know, initially begin to flourish within a a, a framework of him also being a more physically hardened player at this point, which I think is is gonna be key for him moving forward. And and again, this is a this is to, to me the most important thing that can come from this season beyond obviously not being relegated, um, which is, is Everton looking at players and saying, here's someone we didn't have to go out and spend 20 to 30 million pounds to import into our system and hope they have the right attitude. Developing your own homegrown resources, especially, and to Andrew's point, not to say it just means more I'm trying to avoid saying that but players for whom Everton is and playing for Everton is the realization of real career aspiration and a dream and that they want to continue to push forward those players on the uptick are what are going to finally transform Everton from being this pit stop that it's become for some some players and 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 I think Anthony Gordon is is the perfect example of 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 what that can potentially be it's on him to to continue to develop and to train well and to, to take look after himself physically and and to put in the hard yards but um, if he's given opportunities and I think others showed last night with, in flashes that maybe they have to be given opportunities so at the very least we know whether they have something or whether they don't the only way you're going to know is by at some point playing them and giving them a
1: chance to get a run out yeah 100%. Um, we, we will we will wrap it up there. Just very quickly, Andrew, before you go, um, I'm going to make Rob very proud now because he always accuses me of not being effectively on the ball when it comes to TV and film and music <laughs> and stuff like that. And Rob always does this with his guests on, on the kickabout when he gets people on. But just before you go, I just want to ask you, what, what are you watching on, on Netflix, on Amazon, on anything at the moment that the people out... See, look how proud he is. Look at his little face. He's, he's so happy. And so, I'm so proud, so proud of my little him. brother right now, guys. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what are, are we? How are you spending your nights and what? What are you watching on on TV at the moment?
2: You know, do you know what? I I mean, I get my missus gives me the most stick in the world because I I'm terrible, terrible, terrible watching, like committing to TV shows. I'm terrible. But the one thing that's my um, I'm, I'm she sure laughs at me because I'm watching Pointless or whatever every day. You know. <laughs> anyway something highbrow uh what Mm. what i what i can't stop watching is succession i mean i'm just like i think that's just phenomenal uh brian cox is 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 the dawn and and what a what a piece of uh uh tv um anything else i'm watching what else am i watching what have i got to to, oh i i I recently watched that white lotus if anybody's not checked that out
0: oh yeah i like that one
2: very very good uh yeah, and they're the two I can think of. Other than that, pointless at six pm every day.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'm pointless in
0: the states, do they, Rob?
2: Uh, I, I don't
0: think so. I've not, I have not heard of it. Is
1: it? Think, it, is it a, is it's, game Is it a game show? Is it a gonna yeah.
2: transfer? It's very reliant on its hosts. Is pointless.
1: Yeah, we'll explain it to you when you come over in a few weeks, mate. But uh, I think
0: I'm gonna have to watch Succession at some point because Patty is Patty is just not going to stop talking about it until I eventually watch it. So I think I'm gonna have to get on it. I haven't been avoiding it. It's just I've had other stuff to watch, <laughs> but yeah. everyone
1: talks about yeah. Succession right now. I've not I've not seen all the third season yet, but the first two really enjoyed it. Absolutely, one of the writers is from Birkenhead as well, isn't he? Found out found out recently, yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Well, we will will wrap it up there. Andrew, pleasure. Thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, Hopefully we can get you back on again soon as well. Maybe an actual win to talk about in the future. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) <laughs> Rob thanks very much as ever mm-hmm. to you as well mate uh, we will be back of course later in the week no game this weekend but we've got plenty to talk, to talk about with the COVID situation and potentially a new left back coming through the door as well in Mikalenko. so we've got all that to come but cheers for tuning to this podcast enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll speak to you again very soon With the new Chevy Silverado,
0: you might be driving in this, but with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?